It's the Christmas season. Elrod, you ready? You, you, have you started your Christmas shopping? I got to tell you, Doug, I am. Um, I love the holiday party season in D.C. because there's so much going on, but it's also really exhausting, and I am, um, I'm feeling it. Do you have a tree? Say, Do you have a like, Christmas tree? You know, I don't because it, there's such a short period between Thanksgiving and Christmas this year, and I'm going back to Arkansas and you know, for the holidays. So, no, I don't. But you do because I, I saw on yeah, Instagram that yeah, you have a tree. Yeah. Sam and Chase and I went and got a Christmas tree out in uh, Maryland. Uh, I was hoping to, I normally cut my down, cut my tree down, mm-hmm. but um, it's weird. Something happened. Like, I don't know the exact details of this, but the Christmas tree farm that I used to go to, they basically don't have any trees to cut down anymore because of the financial crisis back in 2008 and 9. They had to make uh, a bunch of like cuts in terms of how many trees that they were going to offer at that time, and so that has had ramifications on the trees that are wow. Available now. Yeah, it's really who knew? Bizarre. Who knew? Uh, but uh, no, I got my tree. It's up. I've got to decorate it, but uh, you know, I'm halfway there. Halfway are you going to decorate there. it on like December twenty second? No, no, no. I'm going to do. I'm actually thinking about doing it tonight. Oh, good. Yeah, put some strings up, string up the, put the lights up and the bulbs and you know, candy cane. Um, I know you guys obviously can't see what Doug is wearing right now, but I feel like you look very festive today. You're wearing a like a button-down shirt and like a gray sweater. It looks very gonna, Christmassy. It's thank like you. Thank you know, you. I was gonna wear my uh, ugly Christmas sweater today. It was uh, it was from Christmas Vacation. Mm. A quote from Christmas Vacation, one of my favorite holiday movies. Do you like Christmas Vacation? Have you seen it? I do, and it's always uh, yes. Of okay. course, well, Doug. I've I, seen I, it. I yes, sure, yes. You're you like know? not an American like human being if you've never seen Christmas Vacation. Um, for me, it's always a toss up between Christmas Vacation and Elf. Okay, decide, no. which are my two favorite holiday movies. Elf is definitely has a following. They have a follow. The movie has a following. I have only seen it once, whereas Christmas Vacation I've seen about. You've a only seen times. Elf once. Yeah, I don't know. I just you know Will Ferrell. I just haven't been able to. There's there's some movies that I like with him, but I don't know. Maybe I need to watch it more. Maybe that's what I'll do this uh, the next couple of weeks is watch Elf over and over. So again funny. And Mary Steenburgen, my dear friend, is also in the movie she, too. Oh, she's yeah. she in Step yeah. Brothers. Yes, yeah, she is. Um, I always got to watch Die Hard. You consider Die Hard a Christmas movie? Absolutely. So that and Rocky Four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think you know, look. It doesn't have you know. There's there. It is in the Christmas season. Yeah, exactly. So that's why you know I consider it. Um, I consider it a holiday film. Um, so uh, it hey, it's uh, Doug Thornell, by the way. I'm with my uh, partner in crime, Adrian Elrod. Elrod's here. Uh, looks like she just came from Barry's boot camp or some. Yeah. Hit exercise that you do yeah. every day. How's it going? It's true. Good. Yeah? Good. We've got our uh, ace producer here, Michael Pelquin, as well. Hello. Um, so lots going on here in the uh, Democratic primary campaign. Um, most recently, since our last episode, which was our Thanksgiving Day episode, uh, there's been a notable candidate who has dropped out of the race, and that was Senator Kamala Harris uh, from California. And I think by the time she announced Adrian, neither of us were that surprised because of sort of the news coverage of her campaign. And, you know, I was a little shocked that they, you know, it happened so abruptly. But that was the that was where her campaign was trending. Mm -hmm. But still, it's it's unfortunate. I'm, I'm, I'm sad. You know, I think she there was you know, she was someone who had from the beginning of the race had a lot of potential. 
uh, had a great rollout, which we've talked about, um, had really good staff, and just she wasn't able to put it all together. Yeah, look, 22,000 people at her um, announcement speech in Oakland. That is really hard to pull off. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it just kind of – she it never really um, – you know, the, the, the first day of her campaign was kind of the best day of her campaign, I think. And it's really, really disappointing because, number one, um, you know, I do think she brought so much to the debate and um, she was such a strong candidate in many respects. Um, she's obviously a woman of color. We always want to see women of color who are running for any office do well. And so that was a, a real bummer. But, you know, look, there were um, widely reported strifes within her campaign and various viewpoints on how the campaign should run. I think they had a couple reboots, some very big reboots. But, you know, Doug, you and I both have worked on a number of campaigns. When you start airing your dirty laundry in the media constantly, that is never a good thing. And that's what was happening. Um, you know, some of her consultants uh, – frankly, haven't uh, really worked a lot outside of California politics. And I think that showed. But on the flip side, she had a has a very, or I rather had a very strong communications team, um, had some other very strong staff on, on her campaign. Lily Adams, her communications director, will be in demand as one of the top top recruited staffers uh, by other campaigns uh, should she decide to remain in this race. Rebecca Chayla, her deputy communications director, also a very strong talent. Ian Sams, her press secretary, same thing. All of them will be um, in high demand by other campaigns. Jim Margolis, of course, one of the best media consultants in the business. Um, he was Hillary Clinton's media consultant as well, is a veteran of many campaigns. So she had a lot of strong staff. There were just so many internal problems, I think, that they just couldn't quite uh, figure out how to get out of that rut. And, you know, look, it hasn't just happened to Kamala. It's happened to a lot of other candidates. They're having a really difficult time fundraising because when you have this many people running for president um, and you've only got so many donors to, who are going to, you know, write the big checks, it makes it really difficult to um, sustain a viable fundraising operation. And I think that they made it very clear that they had some struggles in that department as well. But it's still ultimately a huge loss for the Democratic Party, in my opinion. She had already qualified for the debate stage in January. Um, you know, it was assumed that she would make the debate stage in um, January. I'm sorry, in December, she qualified for the debate stage. It was assumed that she would make the January debate stage as well. Um, so again, a real, real loss for the Democratic Party. And I hope that she... Um, you know, I know that she'll be on the short list for any VP pick, but I hope that she will um, strongly consider that position should she be chosen for that. Yeah, look, you know, we've talked, I think we could go back months, um, maybe last spring, where both of us raised concerns about the fact that uh, her campaign lacked a very clear rationale for her candidacy in terms of a, you know, like a really sharp, coherent message, which... Um, I think both of us have given her, gave her campaign props for the rollout and the staffing, but, you know, we always, we had concerns. I had concerns. I'll speak for myself. I had concerns about, like, sort of what was her campaign identity. And that was a big piece of, I think, what ultimately led to her, um, you know, downfall. Um, but she raised money. You know, it wasn't as if, she, I think the expectations on her were so high. You know, I mean, I think that was one of the, one of the things that she was running up against, expectations were really high. She was raising money, but it was almost as if, like, you know, she raised more money than Klobuchar and Booker, and they're still around. And I think maybe Klobuchar and Booker were running the campaigns of people who weren't, 
you know, they didn't see themselves as front runners. So they didn't run these front runner campaigns, which was heavy in staff mm-hmm. and consultants and all this other stuff. Um, and I think maybe that, you know, there, you know, that one problem here was that they uh, were spending, you know, they obviously were spending beyond their means, but that they were, they were running a campaign uh, where, you know, as a front run, uh, running a front runner campaign when they weren't really a front runner campaign. Like they were. She had high name ID. Name ID. Yeah. She, well, yes. Um, You know, the other, the, the other thing that I think doesn't get talked enough about is like, you know, look, she, she was not, she had done, she had a blip uh, after that debate uh, exchange between her and Biden where she was, um, you know, probably in people's top three. Um, I think a lot of people thought that at that point in time, you know, Kamala might be the person to beat in this race. And then from there, it was sort of steadily down. Uh, downhill. Um, but, you know, the other thing is, if you look at how she was doing in California, I was really surprised by that. You know, most of the polling in California showed her in fourth or fifth place. Uh, and that's her home state. And um, she's up for re-election in 2022. And I think that was probably in the back of her mind. Uh, but I agree. I think that she will be uh, on the short list of VP for whoever the eventual nominee is. Um, she brings a lot to the table. If she's not VP, I would not be surprised if you see her as Attorney General of the United States uh, under oh, anyone's she's, administration. She's not going anywhere, and that's the great thing. I mean, she's going to have a powerful role next January or this coming January in the um, impeachment trial in the Senate. Um, and she's not going anywhere. And I think this... Um, her getting out now, the one, you know, the very, very dismal upshot is that I think it keeps her from um, having a potentially embarrassing finish in California. Right. Um, and it only guarantees that she's going to be able to stay in this race a little bit longer. So, Doug, I want to pivot now to Mike Bloomberg. Michael Bloomberg. <laughs> one of the newer entries into the race, or rather the newest entry into the race since we last had our podcast. Um I don't know. What do you think? We've got a lot of good friends who are working on the campaign. There's a lot of good talent there. Um, I do think that they've got a strategy in place that may work. You know, Howard Wolfson is uh, one of the smartest strategists that we've got in the party. And um, Bloomberg's campaign is known or his operation is known for having a very strong analytics data driven operation. So we know that they've been thinking about this, that they see a path. Um, but I want to get your thoughts, Doug on, Doug, on what you think about especially the fact that Bloomberg is not going to play in the first four states. He's only going to play in Super t- Tuesday states and beyond. Yeah, look, the goal, uh, the the Bloomberg uh, campaign is taking a very unique route to the nomination. I don't think we've ever seen a Democrat running for uh, the presidency go this pathway, bypassing the four early, early states and focusing – on Super Tuesday and Mini Super Tuesday, it follows. Uh, they're spending a lot on advertising in those states. I believe it's you know tens of hundreds, maybe a hundred million dollars in the next six weeks. Yes. Um, and they've assembled a good team. Look, you know the thing about Bloomberg is obviously you know he won in a he won the he won the uh, the mayoralship of uh, New York, uh, which was not easy as someone running as a Republican. Um, he did that with a good team around him that has been around for a while. I mean, as you mentioned, Howard Wolfson, you've got Kevin Sheiky who's over there. You've got Bryn Craig, who's over there. You've got Kim Molstry. You've got Bill Knapp. Um, you've got, um, 
you know, you've got a whole bunch of people that have have joined. You've got our friend Aaron McPike. So mm-hmm. there's, you know, you've got they are and I and they are slowly putting together. I think a campaign that, uh, you know, that is, um, you know, is not going to be. You know, they're not going to lack brain power or talent. Uh, the question is, is whether or not it's just too late, you know, and um, and whether or not there is room in that moderate, if that's the term you want to use, pragmatic, that's another term you can use. But the Biden lane, I would say, that middle row, is there room in there, which uh, that lane, which is now occupied primarily by Biden, but with uh, B- uh, Buttigieg in there as well, and maybe a little bit of Amy Klobuchar and a tad bit of uh, a Cory Booker. Can he slide in there? Because he's obviously not going to be in the Bernie Sanders lane uh, and Elizabeth Warren lane. So that's the question I think we all um, we're all waiting to see. And at the end of the day, I think, look, you've got to you know, they've got a lightning's got to strike. He's got you know, he's got to hope that there is something significant that happens at the, you know, the top of the polls right now with one of the front runners. but uh, he's putting together the team, you know, a good team, and he's, you know, they're executing their strategy. We'll see what happens. I'm sorry, Doug. We have to pause for breaking news. Um, I just got a video across my email of the minority counsel for the House Judiciary Committee walking in to give his testimony this morning, and he had all of his uh, briefing books in a reusable bag from, it appears to be from Giant. What? <laughs> Giant grocery store. He's got a reusable bag. It's like little tote bag. Forget the forget the briefcase. I'm on national television. Every network's carrying this live. Millions and millions and millions of people are watching it. But yet, I'm going to bring my briefing books in well, look, a reusable grocery tote bag. But now, okay. he didn't know it was going to rain we, today. We are not against reusable bags when you're going no, to the grocery store. We're very that. supportive. We don't want to use plastic plastic bags. We're not coming out on them. But you're the Minority oh counsel God. of the Judiciary Committee. Show up with a freaking briefcase. You cannot make this up. This is truly, I mean, I feel like this is the ultimate defining video of. God. This is a clown show. This is a clown show. I mean. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm going to no, try no, to no, be no, very that's... serious about Mike Bloomberg's uh, race, but that was just really funny. The thing about Bloomberg, and uh, we're, because I know we're going to talk a little bit about the debates, but the thing about Bloomberg is that since he is not seeking fundraise like he's not fundraising he's not he's not out fundraising he's not doing fundraising he's made it a point he's gonna this is all funded by his own money and he's proud of that and he's making his argument on that that means he's not gonna ever be eligible for the debates right that is correct because i don't envision the dnc ever getting rid of the donor threshold because they consider that to be rightfully so a very important aspect of your campaign in order to be to be able to beat donald trump you know i i wish bloomberg would take small dollar donations. Maybe it's up to nineteen ninety nine. dollars uh, Maybe it's up to $9.99 just to show that he's not trying to buy this election um, or to overcome rather that perception that he's trying to buy this election. Even if it's, maybe it's like $4.99, whatever it is, I realize he doesn't need the money. But I think from a PR optic standpoint, it would be good to show, number one, I do have grassroots support. Um, and number two, I'm not, you know, just spending my massive amount of personal wealth to try to buy my way into this election. What do you think? Well, look, I I think that he knows that the likelihood of reaching the donor threshold for the debate is, you know, pretty low at this point. 
Um, I don't think if and he I don't, were... I'm not saying that he should do this to qualify for the debate stage. Yeah. I'm just saying that it would to show... It would come back exactly. Um, I don't know if there's anything that's going to... I mean, the fact is, is the guy has $50 billion. Um, I'm not sure if there's going to be much that... Uh, like, I don't know how much money he would need to raise for that, to, for that perception of him to go away. Mm-hmm. I think... You know, I think he's going the you know, and Trump didn't really raise a whole lot of money either when he ran. He used a lot of his own money. But, you know, I think if if he's – they have decided that they're going to try to use this to their advantage by making the case, which is often made by self-funders, that, look, no one can buy me. You know, I'm not going to be um, – Owned and uh, operated by any special interest. Yeah, I get large donations. I do. But I just think, you know, like Mae Smith, who lives in, um, you know, Columbia, South Carolina, and supports Mike Bloomberg and wants to do more, wants to feel like she's part of the campaign and wants to give him $9.99 or $10 or whatever it may be. It seems like there should be a place for her to do that. It, uh, I, I don't disagree. I mean, I, I just, I guess my only point is, I think they sh- they should, ha- they there's nothing wrong with that. And there's some, it probably at the end would be a good good thing for them to do. I just don't know how much time that they should spend mm-hmm. on fundraising. I yeah. Just th- I think that they, um, but yeah, there should be an outlet for folks who want to give them money. Um, you know, that, that seems to me, it makes sense to me, but. I think that their focus is, well, there's really nothing that – there's not much that we can do to combat this image of him as a self-funder or big, you know, billionaire rich guy running in this race. So let's figure out how we use that to our advantage, um, you know. Well, that's what's going to be so interesting about this um – you know, just to watch how this plays out because we've never seen a self-funder like Mike Bloomberg not only not play in the first four states but also – we have not seen a primary like we're about to see where I think a lot of candidates are going to be very low on cash after the first four states. Um, and they have to play in those states. They don't have the option that Mike Bloomberg has, which is to flood, you know, millions and millions of dollars, flood the airwaves, flood, you know, uh, television and radio in Super Tuesday states, including California and Texas, which are very expensive media markets. You could easily spend $150 million in each of those states alone just on paid media between in between now and um, Super Tuesday. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out where you've got, I think, a couple of candidates who come out of the first four states with a lot of momentum because I think we all agree that not one person is going to sweep all first four, right? I'd be surprised. But you're going to see folks like Bernie Sanders. Yes, Bernie bros. I'm saying Bernie Sanders. <laughs> Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Pete Buttigieg, Joe Biden coming out of those first four states with some serious momentum going to Super Tuesday, but they're going to be low on cash, as yep. they should be. You could have three different winners. You could. Of those potentially, maybe you have four different winners of and then, each of those states. And then you've got Mike Bloomberg, who has zero momentum from the first four, but has all the you know money that he wants in the world invested in paid media and a strong ground game um, in those in Super Tuesday states. So how does that contrast? How do those two dichotomies gel? Um, and how does that play out? It's going to be really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's pretty disappointing that you're not going to get to see Bloomberg debate Warren and and Bernie. I mean, they, they rally so hard against the billionaire class, and you're not going to get to see those two heavyweight debates go on on live television. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Bloom, Bloomberg, is if he, as long as he doesn't take small do- donations, he's never going to qualify for the debate stage. And, you know, even if he did take small do- donations, I mean, you've got to hit 200,000 
individual donations, unique donations by December 9th, well, but by December 12th in order to qualify for December 19th. Um, he's he wouldn't qualify for that anyway. I mean, that would be almost impossible to achieve. Yeah. But if he had a guarantee that it would happen, do you think he would? Meaning, oh, I think he right? has no problem debating those guys. I mean, I think one of the reasons why he got in was because of his concern over the trajectory of this race and how it was favoring. But um, I mean, it, do you think Bloomberg would take the risk of saying, "Oh, let's start taking small donations to only get twenty five thousand people to give him money," and then he's got that number out there? He's got to manage expectations to some degree. Yeah, right? I think he. Again, I don't think uh, ultimately he is. They aren't going to waste their time on fundraising. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that they. Ju- they just. They have other ways that they're going to be focusing their time, uh, and because of that, you know, the trade off is that. You can't get into any of the DNC sanctioned debates. Now, mm-hmm. there may be, um, you know, he'll be doing town halls. Um, you know, he'll be doing other types of voter contact events. Um, and I would expect that, you know, as we get closer to Super Tuesday and they intensify their, ti- intensify their advertising, they will, they will probably squarely focus on some of the disagreements that he has with, with Bernie Sanders and with um, Elizabeth Warren around things like the wealth tax and Medicare for all. Um, but, um, you know, I, look, I, I, I think that, um, you know, we, we've got in this com- upcoming debate right now, you do have Tom, Tom Steyer, who has been able to, you know, who is a billionaire, who's been able to get on the debate stage. He's spent a whole lot of money, but interesting enough, I mean, you know, money doesn't always equate with success in the polls. John mm-hmm. Delaney has been in this race for two years mm-hmm. and he's spent millions of dollars. Years, maybe like just two and a half. Yeah. I mean, he spent a ton of money in Iowa and he's not, you know, going to be on the debate stage. So, um, but it's going to be, I think this is going to be a really interesting debate. It's going to be the last one of the year. I really hope for, you know, for folks who are listening, if you want to, you know, uh, obvious both all of us are neutral in this race, but love to see Cory Booker on the debate stage. So if you, you know, if you, if you're looking for someone to chip, you know, give a little donation to, I, I would say, look at Cory Booker. Um, I think the debate stage is, um, you know, it'll be, it'll be, I, I, I think it's a little disappointing if we have a debate stage without, um, you know, without people of color on it. Uh, I think they're, the rules are the rules, and you have to adhere by them. Um, but ideally, that's what you would want as a Democratic Party. You know, a, a, a you know a, a, a group of candidates that reflect the diversity of the party. Um, but um, you know, I you think know, we're, and, it's and probably Booker's, likely not going to be that way. Booker's campaign also argues, um, which I think is a uh, very rational argument, that he has received more endorsements in states like New Hampshire than anybody else. And they think that maybe endorsements should be potentially be a part of the equation as well. I mean, you know, look, Tom Perez has a very unenviable job. And I think this process has worked out very, very well. Um, at the same time, I the DNC certainly understands the criticism that um, they're receiving about a person of color not being on the debate stage. It's also important to keep in mind that Kamala Harris should she have stayed in the race, would have already qualified. I mean, she qualified for the debate stage. Mm -hmm. And, of course, we've got, you know, Tulsi Gabbard and Andrew Yang, who I think are on the cusp of qualifying. Maybe they already have at this point. Um, So it's not, you know, it's a difficult thing because at the same time, as much as you want to make this process fair and transparent, 
Like, we got to pick a nominee. I mean, we do not want this to go to the convention. We do not want a broker convention. And at a certain point, I mean, I think we all saw, you know, what was it, what, like the fourth debate that had 12 people on stage? I mean, right. that was not a real debate, that you couldn't really have a true conversation, a true debate between the top candidates. And mm-hmm. that's where we are at this point. So, um, you know, we, we love Cory Booker. I certainly want to see him on that debate stage, and I hope he makes it. Yeah, yeah. Endorsements, that's an interesting, you know, right now he's by 538's count, I think, in third place on the endorsement list. Um of course, it's sort of quite, you know, what do you count as endorsements and, you know, in terms of like, is it like every, you know, elected official that endorses you? Is there some bar that you keep that like it's only statewide elected officials or is it state reps? And I think it just becomes a little bit hard to qual- to sort of, you know, determine what would be a uh, an, an endorsement that you would count because conceivably you could have a situation where the campaigns are rolling, you know, sort of finding anyone to endorse them and using that in their count. But, um, you know, yeah, look. Um, and certainly in the future, you, you can't change the rules mid mid game. No, they're not. And, yeah. and, and, and I, I, you know, they're not going to, they're, they're not going to do that, nor, nor I, nor should, should they. they. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Fun, quick game for you, Elrod. I'm going to yeah. name you. I'm going to name you a candidate, okay? And then I'm mm-hmm. going to say, what does this person want for Christmas? Holidays. What? What we does? We got to be PC. Okay. Uh, what do people? <laughs> what does this person want as their holiday gift? Political holiday gift. What do they need? Mm, I like this. What game. do they need? Not what they want. No, I'm not talking about like a good. You know, like like a if guitar you said Cory Booker, or, yeah. I would say, what does he want? He probably wants like a vegan. No, I'm talking politically. <laughs> no, this is a political thing. What does what do they need? Okay. 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 All right. Amy Klobuchar. Resources. Okay. Uh, Cory Booker. Resources. Poll. He needs the poll. He needs to get right. I mean, like he's he needs. That's my view. He needs well resources too, but polling. He needs to get that. You know those those four different polls to get him into the debate, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Biden, grassroots donors. Okay. Hmm. Uh, Mayor Pete, African American support. Elizabeth Warren, man, Elizabeth Warren is I don't she's doing really well. Um, what what do you what's I don't know I mean I think she needs a clear a, a, a clarified healthcare. But that's not that's not like a tangible gift. Well, that's I why mean, it's hard. Yes, I, this is gift in the you know like the general s- sense of the term. Like, what does if she could have something that was you know that was given to her that would help her campaign? That's how I'm sort of describing it. Okay, all right. Then you said it, not me. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I think that she probably needs, um, you know, she probably needs help in South Carolina, too. I mean, I think, like, she right now is doing, you know, she's slipped a bit in in, in Iowa and New Hampshire. Um, and in South Carolina, she is 
has been sort of regularly. Yeah, but I don't think she's seeing. I don't think her campaign is saying, "Oh, we want to go out there and win South Carolina." No, I mean, not sure at all. they want to, but they're not trying necessarily. I mean, I think they're very obviously very focused on Iowa, New Hampshire. Um, right. No, it would Nevada, be nice to an though. extent. South Carolina. I think what they want to is to beat. They want to beat Pete Buttigieg in South Carolina. Sure. Yeah. You know. Good point. Um, Good point. And they want to win New Hampshire, and they want to finish in the top two or three in Iowa. Mm-hmm. And then they're on. Then they, I think that they can make the case that they're, you know, like they're well positioned for Super Tuesday. Yep. Um, so okay, well, that's our early Christmas list for our candidates. Um. So here's my question for you. Yeah. Who do you think is going to come out of the first four states with the most delegates? Not the most wins, the most delegates. No, no, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about putting you on the spot since you put me on the spot. Yes. Um, okay. So I think that the one person who is viable in all four states is Joe Biden. Yep. And so I think he would right now probably accumulate the most delegates. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's going to be between actually between Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden because, you know, you got to keep in mind in 2016, even though Hillary Clinton won Iowa, Bernie Sanders ultimately came out of that state with the most delegates. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, of course, you know, he had a very resounding victory in New Hampshire. I don't think we're going to see that kind of victory this time around, but he's going to get, I think he's going to probably average out in the top three in all four states, which, depending on how the delegate dance works out, could very much work out in his favor of being um, of, of being the person who comes out with the most delegates. There could also be some ties, right? Right. Or some very close ties. But, you know, if you're Bernie Sanders and you're trying to message going to Super Tuesday, your performance, maybe maybe you don't win a Super – I mean, I'm sorry, what, maybe you don't win one of the first four states, but you want to figure out how to package your message appropriately – Going to Super Tuesday, I think you can very much say, assuming this happens, that I won the most delegates or, uh, you know, across the board, I averaged the best delegate performance in these first four states. Yep. Um, you know, same with Joe Biden. I mean, that's a good way of sort of phrasing it. It could be Elizabeth Warren, too. Who knows? But I do think it's going to be fascinating to look at the delegates, and it's also going to be fascinating to see how the campaigns um, – sort of, a, you know, focus on their delegate strategy in Super Tuesday states and beyond. Um, you know, one thing to add here is that Delegate Dave, who was on Kamala Harris's campaign, one of the best delegate oh, he, strategists right. in, in the party, is now up for grabs. Um, who does he go the, to? Uh, maybe the electables. Maybe he can come on and be our uh, delegate Before advisor. he goes to another campaign, hopefully he can join us on the electables. But he is somebody, you know, I would assume that every single campaign, especially Mike Bloomberg's campaign right now, is um, in conversations with him because he is the person who knows how to, you know, strategically um, sort of patch together a um, – you know, a winning strategy with delegates. And um, it's going to be interesting to see where he goes. That, this is one of the silver lining aspects of somebody dropping out in the race is you don't realize all the talent that they've oh, been man. absorbing yeah. that There's is a, now up, up for grabs. ton of talent. And I think, you know, in many, you know, so I was, I was, um, you know, I think some people were questioning, well, why didn't Kamala just stay in until the rest, you know, until mm-hmm. the other debate? And I think there were some, 
fiscal, you know, financial issues that made it probably impossible for her to do that. But I also think she probably wanted to give her team an opportunity to jump on another campaign. And mm-hmm. I, that's, a, I, that's an admirable thing. And there was a ton of talent on that campaign, including Delegate Dave and others that have been mentioned. Um, but this just is a great reminder, folks, that, look, as this stuff unfolds, the most important number to be counting and tracking is the delegate number. Because that ultimately is going to become a fixture of these campaigns' talking points, and it will be they will be talking much more about the the you know the their uh, delegate acquis- uh, de- uh, acquiring delegates, winning mm-hmm. delegates than anything else. Um, so. We will uh, – that's something to always keep in mind. That's what this is all about. It's who can get to that magic number. Um, so, um, all right, Elrod. I like your hat, by the way. The Hall Guy uh, Marathon and Relays. You know, she's got a great – and there's a pig on there. I can feel the humidity in that hat right now. Yeah, I, feel. I like it. It was like a it. humid race, I bet. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. Thank <laughs> you. It's in, it's in Arkansas in the summertime. That's all you need to know. Yeah, I like it. Okay. Thanks. Um so, uh, all right. Well, anything else? Anything else we're missing? Nope. Nope. I um, I think it's going to be a fascinating few weeks between now and Christmas. And then really, guys, 2020, January of 2020 is going to be where things just really speed up. And we, um, you know, you're, you're going to feel like a day is a week, a week, but not because it's going slow. It's just there's so <laughs> many things that are going to be happening every single day that affect the primary race um, in January. It's going to be fascinating, of course. Um, early February's Iowa caucuses. That's right. And That's then right. we're off to the races. And you'll be able to track and follow every development here with Adrian and I and Michael and Kenny, the electables. Thank you folks for listening, uh, listening in. This has been uh, Doug Thornell and my partner in crime, Adrian Elrod. We'll catch you next time. 